0: But first, demand for abortion pills has soared since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last June. But the legal precedent for mailing and dispensing them is a little murky. This week, the FDA and the Justice Department have both made changes that could make these drugs more accessible. Joining us to discuss is Mary Bowman. They're a nurse practitioner and telehealth abortion provider. Welcome to Reset, Mary. Hi, thanks. Also with us is Lee Hasselbacker, director of the University of Chicago's Center for Interdisciplinary Inquiry and Innovation in Sexual and Reproductive Health. The center is also known as CI3. Hey, Lee. Hi, thanks. Lee, can you just start off by reminding us what drugs we're talking about here?
1: Sure. So, when we're thinking about medication abortion, we're thinking of usually two pills, um, mifepristone and misoprostol.
0: How widespread are abortion pills, Mary?
2: Currently, medication abortion accounts for more than half of the abortions in the United States. Um, So it's becoming increasingly more popular now that there are widespread abortion restrictions and bans. And with companies like mine, um, Choice, where we provide telehealth abortion services to six different states, we're mailing abortion medications to many people. So I would expect that number to rise.
0: And uh, are medication abortion pills used for anything other than medication abortions, Mary?
2: Yeah, so the specific FDA announcement this week was just about one of the abortion medications, Mifepristone. Mifeprostol is not regulated as severely as Mifepristone in the United States. And mifepristone can also um, treat miscarriage. And so there have been um, some attempts by activists and advocates to uh, make mifepristone more accessible for miscarriage as well. Okay. So th- those fights are are kind of intertwined.
0: Lee, let's talk about the FDA for a moment. What does this new FDA rule actually say?
1: Yeah, um, so for sort of a quick history, the you know provision of misopristone has been governed by this special set of regulations um, called the REMS, the Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategies, since it was approved over 20 years ago. So, for instance, providers who prescribe and dispense have to be certified or registered. Um, and so the regulations have been modified over time as research uh, continues to demonstrate the safety and efficacy of mesopristone. Um, So, again, previously, mifepristone had to be dispensed in person, um, but with the pandemic, um, many people shifted to telehealth, and the FDA allowed for some um, of that in-person dispensing requirement to be lifted, and and so people were able to get them by mail. Um, And so the new update that came out yesterday um, really provides some specific guidance on how pharmacies can now be certified to also dispense uh, mifepristone. So um, they have to fill out some paperwork and create procedures to comply with the, the remaining REMS that are still in place. Mm-hmm. But um, it is now going to be possible to to pick up mifepristone at a pharmacy.
0: I see. And what does this not do, this new rule?
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean that every pharmacy will carry mifepristone. They okay. still have to take these extra steps that are required by the REMS. Um, and it doesn't require them to dispense it. But, um, you know, we just heard that CVS and Walgreens have actually already made plans to pursue certification. Um, so there's there's some good uh, mechanisms in place. But, you know, there's definitely also a concern that, you know, some pharmacists might refuse to dispense it, and there should be some, you know, uh, protocols probably in place at some of these pharmacies for how they're going to handle that.
0: Yeah, Mary, if if Walgreens and, and CVS couldn't fill prescriptions, how have your patients at choice gotten their medication abortion pills
2: yeah so we partner with a mail order pharmacy called honeybee health Um, and so as of december 2021 that's when uh, mail order uh, mifepristone was uh, codified into law that it was okay to send these pills through the mail we've been doing it during um, the height of the pandemic but then the FDA came around and said, you can continue to do this. So we've been using mail-order pharmacies, which for many patients is preferable. It's very discreet. It comes to your door, especially if you have a relationship with your local pharmacy. They know you. You might not want them to know that you're getting uh, abortion medications. So for some people, mail-order is still going to be preferable. I also just wanted to add to what Lee said, clearly in states where there are currently abortion bans, they will not be able to um, provide uh, mifepristone at retail pharmacies. And so places where there are bans and restrictions, still those supersede um, any new FDA regulations.
0: Does this rule, does this make medication abortion more accessible to to people in rural areas, you think, Mary?
2: Uh, You know, I would hope so. I I think that, you know, there's a... um, It it depends on the people who still need to prescribe it. So we still are kind of in a crisis of abortion provision as well as access. We don't have enough abortion providers to meet the demand for abortions. And so as long as a patient can find someone who can legally prescribe the medication, if they can pick it up from a pharmacy, hopefully that will mean that they have to travel less, that they are um, better able to meet the need of the community, but it still depends on providers.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. It's been just over six months since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and we're seeing renewed efforts to increase access to medication abortions. We're talking with telehealth abortion provider Mary Bowman and Lee Hasselbacker, a policy researcher at the University of Chicago. So, Lee, you gave us some of that history there earlier about, you know, pharmacies and so, we're not carrying abortion pills up until this point, you have also talked to pharmacists and patients about this. What have you been hearing?
1: Yeah, we actually just did a um, you know set of interviews with pharmacists in Illinois and outside to. Um, basically understand what what they might think about if these REMs were lifted with, about their own practice and would they be comfortable dispensing metoprostone. And, you know, the answer we, we heard from all of them is that they definitely would be comfortable. They um, were really quick to assure that they're experts in, you know, drug and drug dispensing um, and that they, you know, maybe would benefit from a quick webinar or, or a fact sheet, but that they're really comfortable dispensing this medication and that um, we also talked to some Potential, um, you know, folks who might be picking up abortion pills at a pharmacy and they were also, you know, looking forward to the opportunity to pick this up like other medications um, and be, you know, given that service.
0: Mary, what are the risks associated with these drugs?
2: Uh, that's a great question. Misoprostol is actually safer than Tylenol. Um, so many over-the-counter medications that carry with them, you know, risk to your liver, risk to your GI system, Stone does not carry that risk. It's a very safe drug and does not deserve its place on the on the REMS list. It, it's a, it's only there for political reasons.
0: Lee, let's uh, turn to the Justice Department opinion. It said existing laws allow USPS mail carriers to deliver abortion pills, even in states that have abortion bans. What does this change?
1: Um, in practical terms, not a whole lot. I mean, I think that was already happening. You know, I think what would um, spark that was that the Postal Service really wanted to confirm that they were, you know, lawfully um, able to carry these pills through the mail. Um, and what the Department of Justice did is review this very old law, the Comstock Law of 1873, um, which would otherwise prohibit um, the the mailing of materials that might cause an abortion. And the DOJ found that, you know, that law wouldn't apply in this situation for mesoprostol being mailed because, you know, for one, these medications are used for other indications. Um, And also the, you know, the sender and even the mail carrier might not know how and when these medications will be used. So you couldn't actually say they were being used unlawfully. Um, And so it really doesn't change a whole lot, but it does provide some protection for mail carriers who might have been perhaps afraid to deliver the pills and, and might have, um, you know, had a chilling effect on the distribution of pills.
0: Yeah, Mary, just piggybacking off of that, th- does that change anything for you or, or the patients that you serve?
2: Um, I think that, you know, the, the USPS decision is mostly in response to anti-abortion activists who are trying to shut down organizations similar to mine but not exactly the same, like aid access, or places that um, provide pills to people in states where there are currently abortion bans. My my company doesn't um, provide medication to banned states because we work within uh, the the legal framework of the United States. Aid access kind of is operating out of other countries and can do that differently. Okay, and so this just adds a layer of protection to to some companies that have been providing abortion medications um, and. Yeah, I wanted to say one thing about the Comstock Law, too. Sure. It comes out of this really, really vicious anti-contraception um, milieu. And so to use the Comstock Law or to think that the Comstock Law could be used to prevent the mailing of abortion medication is pretty, is pretty wild because it, the Comstock Law originally was placed uh, or was passed in order to Uh, prevent people from mailing information about contraception. So it's just really interesting to kind of see how it's evolved over time. Mm
0: -hmm. Before we go, I want to hear from each of you. Uh, Sticking with you, Mary, first, what else do you want to see from elected officials as we move forward here?
2: Well, many states have passed S.H.I.E.L.D. laws to protect abortion providers specifically. So, for example, if uh, a Texas patient came And saw an abortion provider in the state of Massachusetts and someone pursued aid and abet laws to, um, you know, penalize that provider. The state of Massachusetts has a a shield law in place that will protect that provider. So in the state of Illinois, I would love to see more um, shield laws, more protection of providers. And then I would also love to see more initiatives to cover the cost of abortion through state and county funding, as well as um,
1: abortion training for more providers.
0: And Lee, what other policy efforts are you watching right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Mary spoke to a lot of them already. They're, you know, those are all really good directions I think the state could take. And I think especially highlighting, you know, um, supports for providers, training for providers. You know, we're hearing even from the University of Chicago that they're getting inquiries from other, you know, medical schools about where their trainees can go to get this kind of Um, you know, practice with abortion care and miscarriage care. So I think thinking about how Illinois can support, you know, the training and um, access to care for those coming out of state is going to be really important.
0: Lee Hasselbacker is a policy researcher at the University of Chicago, and Mary Bowman is a telehealth abortion provider. Thank you both.